This episode of the Local Hustlers podcast is brought to you by Audible. If you're listening to this podcast right now, then I'm going to assume that you would also enjoy listening to audiobooks. Whether you're interested in business, history, comedy, science fiction, or romance, Audible has thousands of titles for you to choose from. We want you to try out Audible for free, so if you head to our link, you'll get a 30-day free trial and a free book. So go to audibletrial.com slash local hustlers podcast to redeem your trial today. Again, that's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, trial.com slash local hustlers podcast. You're listening to the Local Hustlers Podcast, your go-to source for connecting with small businesses and entrepreneurs in the East Valley. Get ready to be inspired by local entrepreneurs as they share their stories, mindset, best tips, and advice. And now, your co-hosts, Dallin and Eric Huso. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Local Hustlers Podcast. This week, we're super excited to be here with Cameron Bodden with Green Mango Pest Control. How's it going, Cameron? Great. You? Yeah, I'm doing good. Super excited for this episode to have you on the show um, to get some business knowledge from you. So before we get into that, why don't you take a couple of minutes and give us a little bit of a background on your life? Yeah, no problem. So I, was actually, I consider myself an Arizona native, even though I was born in uh, Price, Utah. Oof. So when I was about a year and I think I was a year and a half or two years old, my dad, you know, tells a story of hauling me down here in the U-Haul, but pretty much been here uh, my whole life, 33 years old now, and uh, went to school, Highland High School in Gilbert there, and uh, kind of the background is played basketball in high school. I uh, was, we were talking to kind of told you a little bit about my aviation in high school, you know, the whole goal was when my dad was in real estate, he used the helicopter to show people uh, the land. And I always thought that was cool because I'd be at recess and, you know, looking up and my dad, would, I'd see my dad flying over going hmm. to show property. So I always thought like, wow, this is, this is, that'd be amazing to do, you know? So my dad told me I could get my helicopter's license if I got my single engine, multi-engine and instrument rating, which is kind of the three licenses, especially the instrument that like really helps you be a great pilot. And the reward was like the helicopter license. And so it was something that I could work towards, you know, during high school, but also I was trying to prepare myself for my career. Yeah. And, uh, you know, fast forward a little bit, served a church mission. When I got home from my mission uh, in 2009, the economy was just trash, right? And so there was no real estate to really be had. And so that, that plan just like went out the window. And so ever since then, I've just kept my aviation and licenses just as a hobby and mm-hmm. kind of tried to use it in business. But shortly after my mission, you know, a little background, um, started a car washing detailing company and just kind of was just trying to figure out my place in life. I didn't really want to go to college. School had never been my thing. And so I was washing cars. The goal is to wash 10 cars a day and make, I think it was, I don't know, 200 bucks or something. And I thought I'd be be pretty good at that point so shortly after that my buddy Dusty who's my partner now at Green Mango recruited me um, to work for another pest control company Moxie and we just had a lot of fun that we recruited guys that summer and you know uh, college students is typically the type of summer salesman that you go after as you guys probably know Um, and they would love to get like in the helicopter or the planes and so we just like tell people like hey you know, come, come fly with us or come do this. And we'd recruit them and Good sign them right. up. And, you know, so we, I like, had to say no to the helicopter. Yeah. That, that was like my first <laughs> glimpse. And like the owner, Jason Wallen would just be like, yeah, 
put all the gas on me and just like so we were just like flying around like recruiting <laughs> guys going out to dinner on his dime That's and I was sweet. just like this is crazy you know so that was my first experience with the with pest control and uh shortly after that my buddy Dusty you know was like hey let's start a pest control company we can do this bigger and better and you know he's he's he's, he's the marketing guru and he just sold me and uh, at first I said no I was like no 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 and he's 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 a pretty good salesman man he's persuasive so talked me into it and we started green mango and how long after did you start green mango from when you first started working with moxie did you do a whole summer selling for moxie or no so like at that point um i wasn't too interested in summer sales i was i was trying to sell myself up for like a career path because at the time like the plan was to do real estate with my dad but when i got home i was just like crap you know and so Jason Walton, they have a program to where if you come out and knock with them for a few years and you can prove yourself, you know, through different indicators, he'll actually fund a branch for you and open it up and you have shared equity. And, and so that was like really, really appealing for me. You know, I was seeing all the success that he was having with the, with the other owners. And so um, we recruited for probably five or six months in the off season. And right, be, right when it came to like go out for the summer with the guys, I just just had that feeling of like, ah, this this isn't right for me. Like there's some things, and I, Moxie's a great pest control company, but there were some things that I saw in the company that I just felt like I couldn't see myself a part of. And at that time, I wasn't just trying to make 40 to 60 grand in the summer like most of the summer salesmen were. Like I was trying to set myself up for a career. Yeah. And so um, held back that summer, and that's when I started the, the car wash company. And then after that, my buddy Dusty went out there and kind of validated all the things that I was kind of concerned about. Mm-hmm. And that's when he was like, hey, let's start. So from the time I got home from my mission and all that, it was and when we started Green Mango, it was like about a year, year and a half. I was 22 years old. So... And were there, because you said that there were things that you guys felt like you could do better, maybe not necessarily that they were doing wrong, but you thought you guys could maybe do differently. Um, anything in particular that you guys have done differently with Green Mango that you weren't seeing being done at other pest control companies? Yeah, so once again, I didn't have much experience, but the things that, that I've seen come, you know, now 11 years into Green Mango and the things that Dusty was really selling me on is like, hey, most of these pest control companies, once again, I don't want this to be like a bad bash about Moxie. I think they're a great company. Right. But if you're speaking just like generally, most companies are in and out of a house in like 10 to 15 minutes. They'll use like a little backpack sprayer and put down three to five gallons. And so, you know, at the time, the pitch to me from, from my partner was like, hey, let's spend a minimum of 30 to 35 minutes at the home. We'll power spray the houses. We'll put a big 50 gallon tank in the back of the truck. You know, we'll put down 10 to 15 gallons because that's what a house needs. You know, we would go to a house and like test it out. Hey, if we were going to legitimately spray this house like it was our mom's house or our personal house, like how would we want it done? And the numbers just kept coming back 10 to 15 gallons, 30 to 35 minutes on your average home. And so we've just we've stuck by that for the past, you know, 11 years. And no matter how much money we spend every single year, our leading source is customer referral. And I know it's because we stick to our guns on that. And, you know, when you break down the business model and how you really make money with pest control, it's by overloading the routes, you know, 18 to 20 stops, as you know, you know, in pools and and in any service industry, the more stops you can put on that technician, the more money you're going to make. Well, if we have longer, you know, almost double service times, 
we're only able to put half as many stops on the route, which means that route value is half, half as much, right? And then with us putting almost four times the amount of product, that's your other huge cog, right, is chemical. And so here we are, we're spending quadruple on the technician, four times on the chemical. And, you know, the first five years were brutal. You know, I can remember talking to Dusty after year five, like, dude, let's just let's can this thing. Like, I get it out of here. It's so much so much hassle it's a headache i don't know how these numbers make sense you know like how did jason make this work at moxie you know <laughs> like thoughts like that but yeah um you know as we've stuck with it and stayed true to the service first we've been able to you know have a little bit of success the past few years that's awesome so yeah i want to talk a bit more about you know those brutal first couple of years because <laughs> green mango now you see it, it's such an elegant and looks like one of the biggest pest control companies that. in the valley um, but I'm sure it wasn't always that way. And so people just see that now, but I want to hear more about, you know, what it was like just starting up, how tough it was. Was it you guys out there? Did you guys hire people right away to do it? Or how did you kind of, you know, first initially get started with things? Yeah, man. So everyone has their little, you know, hard moments, hard times. Yeah. But if I re rewind the tape all the way back to when we, when we first started, um, when I got home from a mission, um, my dad, you know, gave me this little single cab truck, you know, like, Hey, here, go do, you know, do here, here's a vehicle, you know? And my partner, Dusty scrounged up some money from uh, summer sales. And he went to auction and bought like this little, not little, it was like a four, four door or whatever crew cab, uh, Chevy truck, but didn't have an airbag in it, you know? And, and we just like rounded up some pennies and put a, what we call a rig in the back, like the sprayer. And he, he was the salesman and I didn't know anything. So he taught me how to spray. And so we literally go into neighborhoods. He would start to sling accounts and I would just follow behind him and spray. Wow. And as we got probably, I don't know, 75 accounts or so. Um, the only way that we knew at that time was to grow by summer sales. Right. And so in order to get summer salesmen, you have to have obviously quite a bit of capital to pay these guys. They like to get paid, you know, quite a bit up front yeah. and a huge chunk, you know, at the end of the summer. And so that's when we went to, you know, my dad and, you know, the original loan amount was 60 grand. He's like, Hey, we need 60 grand. We can put on, I can't remember the exact accounts, but like a thousand accounts or something, you know? And so that first summer, give or take, I can't remember the exact details or numbers, but we ended up having to go back to him a few times. And the total note was 220 grand after everything was said and done wow. over probably a time of like three years of running these summer sales programs. But, you know, when I think back of like the hard times, like, you know, we weren't pulling any money. I got married the same month that we started uh, Green Mango. Right. So like I don't need, I had like, I think 10 grand in my savings account and Dusty didn't have anything cause he bought his truck. And so he was literally sleeping down at the office. Like I would come in in the morning and like wake him up cause he was up all night, like trying to do marketing stuff. Um, you know, some of the mistakes I look back and laugh, uh, you know, we were running our business on Excel spreadsheets. I don't think we build half our customers, like probably it's the first six months or so. We're just yeah. like so unorganized trying to like train technicians, trying to, you know, uh, keep up with the bills, the salesmen. It just, it was just like crazy times. Now we were out spraying. We weren't smart enough to, you know, hire technicians. We were out being the technician and, you know, spraying while trying to recruit a salesman while trying to retain this guy. And it was just like, you know how it is with limited capital. You just have to like wear all the hats. And yeah. so, you know, when I talked about like year five, I'll never forget it. I was in Maricopa spraying her out and uh, I was on a three-way call with Dusty and my dad 
and I was just telling him like, I'm like done. I'm just spent like, here we are, we're working. Like I get to the office at five 30 in the morning, we get done knocking, we'd spray it. Dusty and I would spray a full route, you know, 12 to 13 customers and then go grab the summer sales team at like five o'clock and go knock till nine o'clock. And then from nine o'clock to like sometimes 12 or 1 AM, we'd be like trying to do our billing and like try and make the routes for the next day. Right. And so I was just like completely spent and was just like, dude, we need to just like, if someone will give us, you know, a hundred grand for this thing, like we'll take it. Like, I'm just, I'm done, you know? And no one would buy it at the time. Like couldn't get Orkin's attention, couldn't get Terminex's or any of the big players. And so we were almost like forced to just keep going. And luckily, like I felt this like huge pressure from like my dad never put on the pressure towards me, but I don't know, you know, obviously you got your dad here and I don't, you know, but when you're when you take money from friends or family or especially your dad like there's just this weight that for just sure. is just super heavy and so for me like that was really really hard to bear especially like seeing the business just like scraping by you know and so like those are the times I'm, that i look back that now is like that's when i was the happiest but at the time it was just like miserable yeah. you know so how many accounts did you have at that point if I had to guess, probably around like 5,000 or so, okay. 4,000, 4, 5,000, which, you know, is eight or nine trucks. It's it's like, and that, and, and with all businesses, there's a spot in the middle where you just get in trouble. You're trying to go too big. Like, right. you know, we were talking pools, you know, I was saying if I could do it over again, like I'd just stay around 150 to 300 pools. Like it's just a great little business. But once you start going a thousand to 2000, it just opens up a huge can of worms and you get caught in the middle. And so, you know, a, a pest control business from like five to 15,000 accounts. It's like, you're just stuck in the middle because they're trying to get over 20, but you're, you know, having to pay the wages and the marketing of, right. you know, the big guys. So yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. It was crazy for us. And then not having any experience, just like learning as we go, you know, you talk about having mentors and reading books or trying to like figure it out. Like that was, that was us just like running around. Yeah. So did you have any, you had your dad, but any other like mentors or resources that you could go to about, you know, how to grow and how to scale your business? I probably did, but I was too stubborn or, you know, like we were <laughs> probably too, all. we were probably well, like, and I've never kind of been like that, but like, we were just literally like, I think back, like I was, I, I like, I remember the first time my buddy, he's a good buddy now, Rob, he invited us over to watch the Super Bowl, And like, that was the first time in five years that like, I wasn't working at six o'clock at night knocking doors wow. and it was like the weirdest feeling. And so I was like, I was just too, like, even if there was a mentor to, to be like, Hey, slow down and like work on the business, not in the business. Yeah. Like I just didn't have the time to do it or like wasn't smart enough to figure it out, you know? So anything else that kind of kept you going through those five years? Cause it sounds like a tough, tough five years and you had the loan, the pressure of that was that kind yeah. of the majority of, of what drove you or is there anything else? Um, the fact that we couldn't bill it and we were just so far in that it was just like, you, you got to keep going, yeah. you know? So, yeah. Any other thoughts on, you know, just financing your business and, and the pressure that came from getting the loan from your dad? Is it something you would recommend if you could do it over again? Would you still go that route or would you try to, you know, get money some other way? Um, you know, I, I don't know if I could answer like there's pros and cons yeah, for, for all sure. of it, but I mean, with any investor there's there's that pressure and even though my dad told me like hey this in my mind like this was your college tuition like I was just riding this money off and you know whether you lost it or not like obviously he values 200 grand but it like this was his shot to help his son and yeah you know so um I don't know how I'd answer that like 
Yeah. <laughs> and then I've, I've always wondered, where did the name come from? Yeah, so Dusty, he's the, he's the marketing guy. I specialize in all the operations. And so Dusty came up with the name, but he served a church mission in Brazil. And um, Mangoes was like his way of surviving. It was his way of life of like eating. And so when he came back home, he wanted the business to be, you know, green mango. Mangoes because that's how he's going to provide for his family and survive. And so, and especially in 2010, like there's that huge movement to go like green and natural and pet friendly and all that stuff. So he wanted to have green in there to you know, obviously have that marketing side. And so it was just like green mango. And, you know, it's funny, I gave him so much crap about it. And it's such a, and we got a lot of heat, like haters of like the, the first three or four years, like green mango, like making fun of us and stuff. And now it's funny, you see all these fruit names of AC, HVAC companies and pool companies and all this stuff. So it's kind of interesting how it's kind of gone full circle. Gone full circle, yeah, that's funny. Um, so you mentioned that Dusty was kind of on the marketing side and then you were on the operations. That's kind of how you guys split up the yep. business. Yeah. And was it like a 50-50 business split or how did you guys kind of handle, you know, how uh, the percentage of business that you guys both Yeah, had? so we're, we're 50-50 on everything. And then obviously my dad has a, a cut on, on the sure. business as yeah. an investor. But yeah, I mean, Dusty taught me pest control. He taught me everything. And then just naturally, like that was my role of, you know, fitting into operations yeah. and you know, and now as we work and it just, it works, it works great. Yeah. So could you, uh, kind of take us into Dusty's mind of it? Maybe give us a couple of thoughts on marketing or what you guys have done to, to really grow your business. Um, I think if Dusty was here, he would just preach on consistency and just, um, I don't know. He's always about just clean, clear messaging and always being a little bit, um, he, he always tries to ruffle the feathers a little bit, if you will, uh-huh. you know, like for instance, you know, putting, you know, we fought about it a lot at the beginning. We had no money, but he was like, we have to put 20, 20 inch rims on these, on these trucks. You know, we gotta, we gotta pay the money to put them flat black. We have to, you know, we have to pay this photographer to come out and get the right angle of you and the nice Nikes and you know, all this stuff. And he was just always like, just consistent, same fonts. Everything has to be perfect colors matching on everything fonts perfect and and then you know as far as marketing just he always has he's always he understands the consumer which is very unique and why i love dusty is and you know why he's my partner is because he just he understands consumer science of like what's the next thing and so you know a lot of our marketing stuff like i'll go out in off-white shoes which a bug a pest control technician would like never wear right Uh but like he knows like that's what people love to see is off-white and you know the technician and see that it's hip and like all these different things and like the call to actions on our instagram posts or facebooks or when he does a billboard or whatever like they just go through the roof because i feel like his branding and marketing that's cool so you know i've noticed that you guys are always kind of thinking ahead when it comes to branding and marketing and and doing what's new but also you guys do a bit of old school marketing like i hear you guys on the radio you guys have some billboards as well so do you guys kind of just try to balance it out and do a bit of everything when it comes to marketing and have you seen success some success from some of those older you know styles with being on the radio as well yeah so um you know like i mentioned we've opened up uh, six other service companies and we've tried kind of mimicking our business model at green mango and some things have worked and some things just do not work even uh-huh. though the, the branding's there the marketing's there the operations there for yeah. whatever reason you know for instance like the radio just wasn't as effective for company x right and so um 
I believe that because we had a good solid base before with our customers before we really put fire into like what you'd call contra- tra- uh, traditional marketing, Google, Facebook, radio, stuff like that. Yeah. Because we had a good uh, solid base is why all those other things really amplified. And so for sure, um, obviously the radio was just was awesome for us when we first started at, at green mango you know and we didn't have the money for it like it was just like hey this has to work the first month or else we don't have money to pay it the second <laughs> month and so like when the phone would start ringing you know i'd have my cell phone on me and you know i was taking i was closing like 50 to 60 deals a day on my cell phone from the radio wow. and it was just like and if we had a, to, to give you like some context when we were doing like door knocking like if you hit 20 in a day with your team like you were doing good and so like we had start we started this radio thing and and like literally multiple days in a row just 50 60 accounts boom 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 and that's when it's just like whoa what's going on here yeah you know so the radio definitely helped us you know get our brand out there and and capitalize on our existing customer base and with the radio did they give you any kind of guarantees or is this like a a leap of faith like i hope this works i mean we got the one month the so the cool thing about the radio is it happened very organically um there's a there's a buddy that came to us and was like hey john jay's got ants like and his bug man just told him he can't get out there for two days he's like you need to go out there and do whatever it takes to impress him and um at the time i don't know what i was doing dusty was like hey went out there like eight o'clock at night you know and just like wowed him did whatever had a great talk like you know did his thing our normal service it wasn't like he was doing anything special the next day john jay got on the radio and these are the spots that are the most effective it's not the 30 to 60 minute commercial breaks right it's when they're actually talking back and forth in the morning just chit-chatting of like the latest news or what happened in their life john jay went off for like a minute about this bug guy dusty you know green mango pest control and just like organically talking with rich bear and stuff and and it just went like our phone just blew up that day and um we we're like dude we like we have to try this and so no there's no guarantees you know um kind of the, the deal with the radio is like hey you sign a one-year contract you can cancel before that but if you cancel it's it's like you can't come back on oh, and wow. so like so we we're like okay we'll try it tried it for you know those first few months and luckily like i said we didn't have the money to pay pay it for the second month, but we made enough that first month to keep keep going, keep going, keep going, and we've been on it for the past probably five years now. Wow. So it's been crazy. That's, <laughs> that's super cool. So are you guys not doing summer sales anymore, door to door? No. So we moved completely away from door to door, except for this year. We're kind of trying out a, a model. We opened up North Carolina, and a lot of it has to do with uh, summer salesmen at the beginning. So. Gotcha. What was kind of the reasoning behind slowing down on on the door-to-door and focusing on other sorts of marketing? Just when we looked, you know, and I mentioned in year five, like when we were looking at, you know, expenses and just like the bottom line, it was just, it was so hard to turn a profit. And now that's because these summer salesmen, and we thought it was high back then, like summer salesmen would want like 45, 50% or something. Now it's like most guys are getting paid 75, 80%, but we were just looking at the cost of acquisition and saying this is this is too high and so um you know as we slowly moved away from that you know for example like our average customer acquisition right now is 75 bucks for for green mango and most guys are paying upwards of 500 450 500 bucks gotcha so, you're paying a lot less per customer now yep yeah 
cool. So, so around that five year mark, was there, I guess, some sort of turning point around there where things kind of started taking more of a brighter, brighter look towards the future? Is there anything particular that happened or a switch that kind of flipped? Um, I think it's a combination of a lot of things, and and I've learned that from uh, opening up these other companies, like you know we had a solid foundation then we started to do the radio we started to do more uh, Google Facebook stuff we started to you know increase our customer incentive uh, for our referral program and so we just kind of we just started to hit on all cylinders yeah. at that point you know it's like you know how it is like the first three four years of business is extremely difficult for sure and then if you can make it past there like you know you almost have a huge weight off your back so yeah definitely can you dig into a little bit more on the customer incentive referral program? Uh, how have you kind of dialed that in to find the sweet spot where customers are intrinsically motivated to refer you as opposed to the extrinsic motivation of, hey, I get this? Because, you know, that your your best marketing is when, you know, like the, the example where you gave of the radio where John is like, man, these this this uh, dusty guy, he came out and he did this. I mean, those natural organic conversations are the most powerful. Uh, so how, how did you dial in that sweet spot of, of promoting that with your great customer service as opposed to the incentive program? Yeah, so, I mean, and that's why I talk about the service so much and us sticking to our guns on that, like, especially like year five, like people, like the, the bigger the customer base, obviously the more customers come in because the referral was there because of our service. Like they just, they loved, like we guarantee scorpions. Not many companies guarantee that or, or can even stand behind that. You know, we'll literally send a truck back out for free if you see a scorpion. And so on top of the amazing service, we just give a lot more. We're not cheap about it. You know, a lot of companies, when they think of their referrals, they don't want to give away that much. For us, it was, hey, offer a free initial flush out for the customer that's signing up and then a free bi-monthly service for the customer that's an existing customer. And so when you think about it, it sounds like a lot. Oh, free service, you got some of the technician out there. As we look at it, it's okay. We might acquire this customer for 250 bucks. We're still winning. You know, it's cheaper than a door knocking account. And so our customer referral program has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, I don't know if we talked about this yet or not, but no matter how much money we spend on any marketing platform, when we look at our numbers every night, um, the source customer referral is the highest. It'll it'll outperform anything. So and it's been like that for the past five years. That's cool. And I'm sure a lot of that comes down to your technicians as well and making sure that they're doing a good job and providing that good customer service. How have you been able to make sure that you're hiring the right people that are going to represent your company in a way that are going to make customers want to refer you? Yeah, so I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned in the past four or five, probably four years um, because my mindset wasn't like that at first. It was just, oh, he's just a technician, turn and burn, I don't care. Yeah. Whereas the mindset, um, you know, the past four years is culture, 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 take care of this person. And it really, it really woke, uh, woke me up. I was at a, um, I was at a Diamondbacks game one night and we needed like an office CSR or something, customer service rep. And there's this girl at Dutch Brothers at the ballpark. And uh, I could tell like, just from how she interacted with the customer, how she was carrying herself, like, oh, I would love for this person to come work for us. As I was talking to her, she pretty much um, turned me down 
because she loved the culture of Dutch Brothers. And in our conversation, you know, of her turning me down, like she made it be aware that she was only making minimum wage. When I was offering, you know, whatever, six, seven dollars more than minimum wage, wow. she was willing to turn that down because of the culture at Dutch Brothers at a ballpark. And so they, that just woke me up. I was like, dude, it's not about the money that we pay these guys. Because I just kept thinking, oh, I'll just keep giving them good benefits. I'll just keep giving them more money, more money, more money. They'll stick around. Yeah. It's, it's so far from the truth. And so, you know, the little things. And, and each year I've gotten a little bit better and better. And I'm, I still have a lot of ways to improve. But, you know, at our, if you came to our shop right now, you know, we have the basketball court in there. We have soda machines. We have massage tables. We have, um, you know, we just, we try and make it to where, they feel like this is a place for them, a home for them, that we care about them, we appreciate, and we do. The business literally would not succeed without our technicians. They're the most important part. Yeah. Obviously, they drive the most accounts for us, and so you know we gotta take care of them, and so whatever ways we can, um, we, we try and do it for them, and that's that's the biggest thing. Like everyone, you know, with all the other service companies that have been able to open over the past five years, everyone's like, how do you manage everything? And it's just simple. It's the people. Like, just have powerful, great people around me, and that's the only way you can do it. So, awesome. Do you want to touch a bit more on just how you've created a positive culture? Um, if you guys have like company values that you you preach, or if it's more of just um, you know the cool you know feel good environment that they have <laughs> when they come in. Um, so a big thing for me, and and there's a lot of books about it, but it's just simple like you can't really manage more than seven people. And so starting from the, what we call general pest control technicians, which would be like the entry level at Green Mango, um, they have each seven, each set of seven guys has a team leader above them. And then that team leader, you know, has seven guys above them. And so, um, you know, obviously we have, you know, all of our mottos and, and all these different things that we, you know, try and preach to them. But at the end of the day, like I said, it's me motivating that manager or whoever's over them to spend time with them, to get to know them on a personal level and make them feel like it's a friendship as opposed to just a job. So when that person calls, he's not calling about, um, you know, work always. He's asking, how, how's your little boy? How's your little girl? How's, you know, how's life? As opposed to like, hey, why didn't you do this stop? Or where were you this morning? Or stuff like that. And so as we've tried to push that more and more, like, just we just see the benefit of it so is it hard to push that or are people generally open like your manager they open to having you know more of that friendship relationship with the people under them or has it been harder to kind of you know push that into the culture um i think as people see the the guy so it starts with me right and so when they feel good how i treat them they want to pass that on and as long as they can keep it going yeah i've had some bad managers people there's some managers that i've promoted that weren't ready to be managers or they just don't have it in their DNA. And so they didn't treat those guys poorly. And so I think as long as it starts at the top and works its way down, like and lead by example, people will get it and understand it. That's cool. And was that hard for you right at first being such a young business owner when you first started hiring employees to kind of be that person? I don't know if you feel like it was (laughs) kind of natural to you or if there's some things you had to learn along the way that helped you kind of become more of a leader. Yeah. So it's complete like mine. You've probably maybe picked up on this, but like, if I can walk into a room and be the quiet guy, like that's what I prefer, you know? And so it was very unnatural for me to get good at door to door, you know, summer sales because I literally have to, I don't want to say like fake, but like I'm a pretty, you know, melancholy, calm type of person. Like a very, very like just one tone, one level person. But on the doors, like you have to be animated. You have to use, you know, all the, the three things with sales. But, um, 
there's just so many different you just got to act a little bit different so when I'm doing a tech training too I just had to come out of my shell and so yeah I, I definitely have to put on like a different character character if you will without right. it might sound funny like I'm, I try and be as genuine as I can for sure but it, you can't just get up there and be like hell is everyone doing today you know <laughs> so that's cool do you find yourself spending more time cleaning your pool than you spend swimming in it then you need to get in touch with flamingo pools flamingo pools is your go-to swimming pool maintenance and repair company in the east valley whether it's weekly maintenance repairs green to cleans or one-time cleanings flamingo pools is there to take care of you Here's a few things that makes Flamingo Pools stand out from the crowd. When you first sign up for service, they'll give you a free complimentary inspection of the pool to make sure everything is running smoothly. They'll also email you a service report with a picture attached after every visit so you know when your pool has been cleaned. They also offer a mineral treatment, which will keep your chemical levels down, allowing you to have a healthier bathing experience. At Flamingo Pools, they know that your pool was made to be enjoyed, so let them handle the rest. Check them out at azflamingopools.com or give them a call at 480-422-6013. Mention this podcast and get your first month of weekly maintenance free. That's azflamingopools.com and 480-422-6013. So when did the vision change from just focusing on green mango and growing that business to to starting other service-based businesses? Yeah, so, you know, I talk about those first five years being, like, just brutal working yeah. sometimes, you know, till 1 a.m., 2 a.m. in the morning to as you start to grow, you know, eventually I started to get smart and hire managers and people underneath me. And as we kept growing, those people were needed. And so I went from working these crazy hours to having all these people doing their job and, like, bored. You know, and, and that was like not good for me and my personality, especially from what I was just conditioned to for the past five years. And so a lot of starting the other service companies was just out of necessity. Like I actually got in like a really bad, not like because I have some people in my life that like suffer from like some really hard depression. So I wouldn't say that, but like to the point of like just like laying in bed and just like not feeling like I have a huge purpose, you yeah. know. And so that was really it was really hard for me because here I built, I spent all this time, you know, building this company up and now I have nothing to be, you know, you know, ashamed of, or like, it's just, it's an amazing company. It's running now. Like that's everyone's dream. But at the time I was I 28 years old or 29 years old and now I'm bored, you know? And so it's just like, I got to do something else. Yeah. So I've worked myself out of a job man, and it's the craziest, it's the craziest feeling ever. So what was the first business that you guys started up at? So, you know, obviously with all partnerships, like it's not always peachy, right? And, sure. you know, we don't need to get all into that. But, you know, um, at that time it was like, hey, like, you know, I was on Dusty's nerves. Dusty was on my nerves a little bit. And it was just like, hey, he really wanted, like, loved the pool model. And I really loved the alarm model, like security. Mm -hmm. And so at first... Um, we just kind of, we like had Green Mango, it was kind of running itself, and then we just went and like opened up these other companies, right, on our, on our own. And, you know, fast forward a year later, it's like, hey, now I know why you're my partner. Like, I need you over here in operations, Cameron. And hey, Dusty, I need you over here in marketing for, you know, the security company. And so we kind of linked back up together. But um, those, uh, the security, I started first, and he started the pools at the same time. And then after we linked up together is when all the other companies came in. Gotcha. So, so was there like a conversation that I'm just curious, like, because you guys both started your own thing, and then once you 
came back together was like, hey, we can like recreate this model over and over and just kind of dive into all these different industries. Yeah, so um, like for us, growing has never been an issue. Like it's been really weird. It's been hiring the people and then obviously the, the, the profit margins within that business. And so um, it when we look at like, oh yeah, yeah, let's do this. Like our customers are already asking us, hey, do you guys do pools? Hey, can you clean our carpets? Hey, can you do this? Can you do that? And we're just like naive enough to be like, yeah, of course, like we'll do it. But we didn't want to be like, the guy that just wore all the hats, the jack of all trades, master of none, right? Right. And so the key thing that we did once in our people is that Dusty had the marketing under control, right? I had operations under control. And then we'd go find someone that, someone that specialized within that industry that had experience and they would teach us that industry. Or like they would just be the, you know, the owner operator, man, boots on the ground, and we would give them equity of the company. And so like that was kind of the, the triangle of how we worked. And that's why we were able to grow so quickly and open up so many service companies. And obviously some of them have been successful. Some of them haven't. And, you know, we've sold off a couple and, you know, I've learned a ton about, you know, in the process. So any distinction that you've identified, uh, I know you've kind of hinted at it a couple times, but between those that worked and those that didn't, how the pest control model worked in some and didn't in others, any like high level distinction that uh, you with personnel to... or like growth or like sources? E- either one on 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 why some didn't work when on paper it looked like it would work. Yeah. Um, well, most of them, most of them that didn't work, like the pool company, we had no problem growing it, but we didn't know that it would take so long to train a, a, a tech, you know, we are used to pest control. You can train a pest control tech in like five days and he's gonna, as long as he has a hard work ethic, like he's gonna do a great job, yeah. right? With pools, that, that's not the case. And so, um, and then margins, like we can't change, you know, the fact that they need so many chlorine tablets and shock and this, and when it storms, oh, by the way, you gotta get back out, you know? And so there was just things that I felt like, um, and it might be a cop, like kind of out of my control, but in this sense, it was just, those are the reasons why like some of them hadn't worked and of course you know there's some people that just aren't meant to lead or you know be a manager they might be a technician or an entrepreneur or you know whatever manager so i don't know if that answers your question or (laughs) when you had some of those businesses that didn't do good at first was it easy to say okay it's just you know it's just not going to work let's get rid of that or was there part of you that you know remembered how green mango at one point wasn't really profiting as well and and wanted to keep pushing through like how did you find the balance between knowing that it just it just wasn't going to work versus maybe i should push through this and eventually it'll work yeah so um you know i think a lot of times remembering the story of green mango and almost every successful business has that story of like hey i was just about to sell and we found this idea we pushed through and it was right. successful you know and yeah. so i think in a, a lot of the companies like we've always told ourselves that or told our story to you know our our partner that's that's in that company but um once we had enough money to hire like a cfo and they did the modeling and just was like hey th- this is our track record for the past four years and this is what it could be if you improve these areas of the business. This is how much money you would make. At that point, um, like it was just a decision for us of like, hey, how do we want our way of life? And yeah. is making this much money worth it for the stress and headache? And that's, 
you know, that's a big part of why some of the companies, you know, we've decided to sell off some of the companies and not because, you know, at the end of the day, especially now, like it's like just having that balanced will, you know, all around. Yeah. No, quality of life is important and you can make a ton of money, but if you're miserable in life, it doesn't really mean much. (laughs) Yep. Do you find that you have time with all the different companies that you're part of to, you know, enjoy life, spend time with family? I know you mentioned that, you know, flying is like a hobby now. So are you able to have time for all that as well? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of back to where I was like six when we started all the other service companies, you know, and so I'm but I've luckily like I've hired a, um, what they call a success in life balance coach. His name is Mark Fournier. Um, about three years ago and he's just helped me like really find that balance between work life family career money religion you know all the seven things that have to do with a balanced will and that like just changed my life and so right now you know I guess I would say like I can be as busy or take like be as relaxed to do my hobbies as I want so I feel like I have a pretty good balance with my family I have two little two little kids a boy and a girl and I'm just like, I'm super blessed for where I'm at right now to for be sure. able to kind of pick and choose and, and do things. And, you know, right now we're wanting to double down on Green Mango and potentially open up, you know, more branches outside. And that, you know, I'm, I'm looking at that, okay, what's that going to do of taking away from my family? Is that worth it? Is that right? So those are kind of some of the decisions now. That's cool. Is there like, I don't know, is there a price point that makes something worth it for you or amount of hours that you're going to be away that you have to, you know, make your decision on what's worth it or not? Or do you just kind of feel it out each, each situation on its own? Um, yeah, there's definitely like a number for each business. That's like, I'll go in and through the modeling from our CFO, if it doesn't show at least a certain amount, like I just, I have to just say it's not worth it, Yeah. you know? Yeah. So that's, that's where it's at. Cool. And anything from your coach, you mentioned that you hired anything in particular that you could think of as like a tip or a piece of advice you could share on just balancing all those different aspects of life? Um, well, number one, it's important to understand what each of those, uh, you know, things are, those seven things are. And then just constantly, when I say constantly, at least once a quarter, if not monthly, literally scoring yourself one out of 10 on where I'm at. And then just being motivated enough to, if you're a three in some areas, like knowing like, Hey, this really messes me up if I'm a three here and I'm a nine over here. And so I've haven't been great at it, especially the past year, but it's one thing that I've like really started to focus on again is making sure that, you know, I have a, you know, a balanced will. And that's kind of the biggest thing and not the biggest thing that he talks about, but, um, it's one of the, the great things that he talks about and, and coached me on. Yeah, that's cool. I love what you said earlier about kind of the triangle that you guys have with the businesses. So it sounds like kind of a perfect storm. You have Dusty, who's a genius with the marketing. You kind of have, you know, the leadership and the high-end operations experience. And then you bring in someone um, who's super experienced, you know, in that industry. What have you guys done to find, I guess, the right person that's going to fit fit with the two of you and fit the culture? <laughs> um so most of our part, all of our partners have either worked for us before, and so we kind of vetted them that way, not knowing it. It's funny uh-huh. how you know things work out, right? Like, so our partner at uh, Coconut Carpet Cleaning, uh, he was like, he was selling for us door to door like some of the first years of oh, our really? business, and he was he was amazing. And so, like, obviously, we didn't know what the future was or anything, yeah. and so it's just kind of happened naturally like that. That's cool. 
that's cool. Um, is there any way you kind of pitch it? Because I'm sure it's, it seems super beneficial to them as well that, you know, instead of, I guess what I'm asking is like, what's the benefit of, of someone who's so skilled in their industry of coming and partnering up with you guys versus, you know, starting off on their own with something? It's just the entrepreneurial dream, right? And so having equity, um, having the vision of one day, you know, being able to live a, you know, a life that you can go into the office in the morning, make sure you're good, your guys are good and be home at three o'clock or whatever you yeah. want to do, you know? And so, I mean, that's, so, I mean, all of our partners, even though they're experts in the industry, at the end of the day, they were working for someone else and they're almost capped. And so, you know, our vision is telling our story is like, Hey, come work your butt off for three to five years. That's how long it's going to take period. Like, especially with how we do things of just keeping to invest more and more money into the growing the business. Yeah. Um, come grind it out for three to five years. And at that point you might have an opportunity to make, you know, a lot more than you ever would here. And most of the times, uh, if it doesn't work out, we try and, you know, have arrangements to where we set that guy up for success in the, in the long run so that there's really, you know, he has nothing to lose at the end of the day, except for like all of his hard work and time, but all like, the financial, you know, stress Dusty and I take on and, uh, you know, operations and kind of the closure of the business or the selling or all that stuff. It's like we take that on and so and try and put them in a, in a great spot, which, you know, for some of our other partners, the ones that have sold, you know, they've they've gone on and done great things and they have a great resume of like, hey, we've built this up and we've done this and that. And yeah. so I like to think and, and try my best to make sure they're in a good spot. Awesome. Awesome. And then if you don't mind telling us, I guess, what your thoughts are on partnerships, because a lot of people, you know, have had bad partnerships or don't like the idea of, you know, losing 50% of their profits and revenue and you and a lot of these businesses, you're splitting it three ways. But have you found that um, because you have people that are so talented in what they do that between the three of you, you're able to do more than what you could have done on your own? Yeah, for sure. I mean, partnerships are just extremely hard, but I think as long as you don't keep score, I think that's the key of everything. You don't keep score and you're just open with all your partners. You know, there's some times where, you know, one of us is outworking the other and, you know, you can, you can be honest with them, but at the end of the day, like what's the, what's the job at hand? What's the task that you're wanting to accomplish? And as long as they're getting it done, who cares how they do it? Right. Yeah. I think where a lot of partnerships fail and like when I hear people complaining, you know, um, about it, it's mostly like, Oh, well, he's not, I'm, I'm at the office a lot more than him or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And I just ask, well, what are like, what's your expectation out of him? And is he doing it? And if not, then, then you have an issue. But most of the time, like people can say like, yeah, he's doing a great job. Like, I, I just hate that he's not at the office. Well, well, who cares that he's not at the office? You know, like Dusty, he, I love to get in the office in the morning and work like a normal, what you would consider like a normal work day. Uh-huh. Dusty likes to get there at seven o'clock at night and work till 4 a.m. Like that's his hours. And so like we hardly ever see each other, you know? <laughs> so it's like just what it is. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, and was that hard at first? Like, have you learned a lot of things along the way on, you know, dealing with people and the different things that they like to do and different ways that people like to work? Or do you feel like you're naturally, you know, able to work well with other people? I think that was the biggest benefit of having a coach is him, you know, teaching me about human behavior and, you know, your expectations. Most of the time people's unhappiness is because of unrealistic or failed expectations that you had of that person. Uh Right. And so, um, 
yeah, that's that's why I love that coach and why he's he literally changed my life of how I interact with people, how I treat people, and how I you know how I look at them. That's super cool. So, yeah. Was it intentional to so you got a lot of businesses and they've got a lot of cool creative names that I'm sure are super good for for marketing? <laughs> but was it intentional to have different names for all the business because you already had you know some good branding set up with Green Mango Pest Control? So why not set up you know Green Mango Carpet Cleaning, Green Mango right. Security? Oh, that's a great question. Um, our biggest fear, once again, we didn't want our customers to look at us like the guy that was just the jack of all trades, and we always knew like the Green Mango special. And we didn't, we knew what it was like not to have green mango. And so we held on to the, we were very sensitive of our customer database in the sense of we don't want to introduce a a carpet cleaning company to it or a glass company or whatever. And we don't treat them right or the process isn't, isn't, you know, ready yet. And then they have a bad experience and cancel their green mango account. And so we never introduce a company to the what we call a green mango family until like they're on their own like they're walking and they're doing and they've kind of been battle tested and so and and you know pretty much like we haven't really started cross-referencing or marketing our our customers until the last like 18 months oh wow and so we we really try and get them on their own feet and that's why we had different partners we don't do it in the same you know, we share some of the higher level, like CFOs, HR, accountants, and stuff like that. But other than that, all office managers, uh, CSRs, routers, all that stuff is done Completely per company. Separate. Yeah, that's cool. So. Um, and was it just because I was looking back now that was the best decision? But was it just kind of luck that you kind of started off at first with different like managers, different people in different departments, or was that kind of always the vision to keep everything separate? Uh, with the other companies, or yeah. With Green Mango. Yeah. yeah. No, that was always the. Yeah, the plan, because once again, if like for whatever reason, coconut went downhill or agave, like we didn't want that to pull down green mango. For sure. You yeah. know, do you have a favorite business out of all the <laughs> ones that you're a uh, part of? Uh, no, like, no. I mean, at times I would, but I wouldn't say right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. They all are like, like it's like a love-hate relationship. You right. Know? Like, <laughs> you're like, gosh. But it's funny, like the same trends that happen almost to like the identical year of like problems like it just happens in every that's why you know it's so hard to start a company and be successful with you know with everything not not going on but like all the all the little laws that you have to follow that the government it's like they're just they're fighting against us and that's how i truly feel it's like it's extremely difficult to start and run and grow and scale your own company like it's just like that's why i just feel so blessed to like be here and be you know being able to have the little success that i have because it's just i constantly see it yeah that's crazy with all the different things you're running give us like a little day in the life of of cameron bodens like when you go in, you said you try to work like a regular day and go into the office so you know what do you do and how do you kind of split up your time between all the different companies that you're a part of now yeah so like uh I mean, every day is different, but like a typical like work day, like Mondays and Tuesdays, I always for sure try and get into the office. But I mean, in the morning, um, one of the, the great things this past year that I that I got into was like training for triathlons. And so I did an Ironman last May. Oh, wow. And nice. so like I'm really into like health and fitness and really been like a huge part of my life because I saw that as like an escape from work, you know, put the phone down and just be able to go run. And one of the cool things about Ironmans is that you are not allowed to run 
uh, or do the, the event with any music, which for anyone that runs or trains is like really foreign and really hard. Yeah. And at first I was like, what the hell am I gonna do this? But now like whenever I work out or do anything, I don't listen to music and it's just like a nice time to just like have my thoughts. And that's where I get like a lot of my inspiration. Um, and so like in the mornings, I try and do, um, you know, like a, a yoga in the mornings for like 30 minutes as like a, just kind of like wake up and get going and just kind of, you know, build myself. And then I, I hit the gym uh, from eight to nine. And then um, I'm like a really structured guy. I always joked my life. I'm like, I'd be the easiest guy to kill because like, I'm so structured. Like I just do the same thing every day. So eight to nine, I go to the gym, show up at the office around like 9.30, 10 o'clock. And then I usually leave there at, 10, at five o'clock. And like, that's my commitment to my wife is to be home for my kids and, um, and her from like five till seven, have my phone down, play with them, try and be, you know, be there. And then from seven to nine, you know, my wife lets me go out and, you know, two times a week, go play basketball or go play pickleball or go like do whatever. And when I was training for the Ironman, like that's the time that I would go from nine o'clock to like, whenever I was done 11 o'clock, go train. And I just found like a lot of joy in that. So like, that's that's like a typical day. Um, and then like Wednesdays I try and fit in golf in there once in a while or go fly or we're building a house right now. So can't believe how much work it is to build a house, but you know, we're out there constantly. So, well, no, that's a lot going um, on. I thought, you know, five, seven businesses was enough, yeah. but you got a ton of other, uh, hobbies yeah. and, and well, like side said, things I've, going on I've too. Great people. And so luckily if I get, you know, I, my partner, uh, you know, I was, bouncing some ideas off of him with the with like organ organiz, organizational things with people and he was looking at me, he's like dude you literally have 14 people underneath you right now like you're you're not living by your own rule you know and I'm just like I was like embarrassed because it's like dude I taught you this and now here you are like telling me you know and so like we just restructured some things and so my life's gonna get a little bit easier again yeah. and so you know you just always got to constantly stop evaluate see where you're at and like just not take on too much and just make sure the people that are underneath you, like they're getting taken care of. For sure. No, I think that's awesome advice. A couple more things before we get closing up here, depending on the business owner and the business, sometimes it's, it's best for them to stay small. Um, and then sometimes it's best to scale. And it seems like for the most part, a lot of your businesses have seen a lot of success scaling and, and growing relatively quickly. Um, at least lately, do you have any kind of, you know, insights into that or, or tips on what you guys have done other than, you know, your marketing to successfully scale a business so fast and be able to keep up, you know, on the back end as well? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just you got to have the people in place if you're if you're wanting to scale and then just be, you know, the biggest thing like I know it's it, it was a huge expense for us at the beginning, but. I feel like if I was going to start another company, whenever you look at them, like you got to look at the hard numbers and don't just guess, like try and meet with people. Don't be shy to ask someone that's in the pool business, like, Hey, do you mind sharing with me some of your cogs or some of the things that you're seeing or the struggles? And, you know, you really got to understand the margins and understand and have a good performance built yeah. and then decide that's when you got to be smart and strategic about wanting to scale or how you scale. And that's where I think a lot of people get in trouble is they might see these different margins, but in order to scale and keep up and keep your quality of service, you got to, you know, for example, before each summer, we got to be 20, 30 technicians, you know, heavy, which is a ton of money on payroll, but that's preparing for the summer right. to take care of it. And some years we haven't done a great job. 
uh, like this year, it's been a struggle with, you know, especially with everything going on to hire people. And we, you know, we suffered financially, but it's just a testament to like, if you're going to scale, it's a ton of money to scale and you got to understand what that, like what that money is. Yeah. So awesome. Oh yeah. I love all the advice you've shared so far. If there's <laughs> like, if there's like one last piece of advice that you could share for business owners and entrepreneurs that are listening, what would it be? Um, I think the thing that I'm focusing on right now, and so that's the advice I give, is just time. Uh, you got to spend time with your people and make sure that they know that you care. And um, you know, there's that in that book, the carrot effect or the carrot principle. Um, you gotta you gotta understand how to motivate people and what it's not always about the money. They want to have you spend time with them, and they want you. You know, you gotta you gotta understand like what what motivates this person. Like yeah. one of my managers told me the other day, like I was going to, you know, give him, you know, a five, $10,000 bonus, you know, I was like, Hey, if you do this, I'll give you, you know, cash. You know, I thought money, money, I, you know, I'm always thinking money, money, money. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, just buy me these computer parts. And they were like 2,500 bucks. And I was like, done, <laughs> you know, like cool. Like, but he loves, like that was his way of, right. Everyone has their different thing of motiv- motivating themselves. And it's, yeah. it's almost never about the money. So the book, you mentioned The Care Principle? Yeah. Any other great books that have been really influential in uh, in your personal growth as a business owner? You know, I'm not like a, I'm not like a huge book guy, but I think that Care Principle, like if we were going to recommend one, like especially if you have a bunch of people underneath you to manage, like that would be the one to focus on for sure. Cool. And then what's the plan kind of moving forward for, you know, Green Mango or the rest of your companies or any other, you know, plans on the horizon to start some other new businesses? Yeah, so I'm in the works right now. Like I mentioned a little bit, you know, we're potentially thinking, you know, that we have this huge grand goal um, of opening up 20 Green Mango branches and getting them each to 10,000 accounts and having a huge, you know, just making Green Mango even bigger. And then uh, Coconut right now, there's a lot of guys that want to franchise with it. Really? And so we're working on some franchise agreements. And so, you know, we call it the Hype Farm. premium home services is what kind of the umbrella company now that all the service companies follow on fall under and what's great about you know these national branches and franchising is that if you start out with a technician that technician will literally have the ability to be an owner in a branch one day or you know franchise a coconut um you know business so it's like there's growth and which i think why a lot of people leave businesses too is because they feel capped and so that's, that's like really exciting for me because i hate losing great talent and i can keep pointing them in directions and they can literally climb the ladder up to owning a branch one day because that's what our model is going to be is being able to own equity you know a tech manager or a technician or tech manager being able to you know have equity in that branch yeah so So has that really helped with retention of employees is just the opportunity to move up because like you mentioned we haven't really had that until like and we still don't like yeah like we have a bunch of manager spots open but those are capped at some point too you know so if you have it like at coconut we have these amazing guys that have the entrepreneur spirit but they're kind of they're making great money but they're capped so they're going to go start their own business or franchise a coconut that's what it's almost like forcing us to do it because Uh it's like we don't want to lose these great people yeah that's super cool i like that awesome well yeah it's been super cool to uh watch the businesses grow over the last couple of years so we're super excited to see you know what you guys do over the next couple of years to continue to to grow and franchise the companies awesome appreciate it before we close up we have a quick game that we're going to play with you 
Um, so how it's going to work is we have a list of 20 questions that we're going to ask, and you've got a minute to see how many of them you can answer. All right. So we'll see how you uh, <laughs> square up against other guests we've had on the show. All right, do you want to start us off in three, two, one? Your dream vacation. Oh, man. Uh, Hawaii. First thing you'd buy if you won a million dollars? Sand car. Favorite hobby? Uh, flying. If there was an Olympic competition for everyday activities, what activity would you have a good chance at winning a medal in? Running, maybe. A song you've been jamming to lately? Uh, I don't know. I don't. Uh, my son listens to the same crap. Uh, what's, <laughs> I don't know. Pass. Okay. If you live to be a hundred, would you rather have the mind or the body of your prime self? Uh, probably body. Favorite holiday? Uh, Thanksgiving. Favorite ice cream flavor? Uh, Oreo. Favorite fictional character? Um, don't really have one. Favorite smell? Coconut. What's your nickname? See <laughs> body too hottie. <laughs> Pet peeve. Uh, being on time. Favorite restaurant? Mm. We'll let you answer it. <laughs> oh man, steak forty four. Nice. nice. Cool. Well, uh, let our listeners know where they can connect with you, find out more about you know Green Mango or some of the other companies that you guys got going. Yeah, for sure. So um, obviously we're on Instagram, Green Mango Pest control uh or all the companies coconut cleaning co agave auto glass phoenix power so they're all on instagram and then of course uh for green mango pest control there's a an offer right now for free initial for your listeners usually 199 we're going to do it for free and uh you can go on to the website or instagram and find that greenmangopest.com awesome okay well yeah once again appreciate you coming by and taking time out of your busy day and busy schedule to uh, talk with us for a little bit i appreciate you guys thank you yep have a good week everyone we'll see you Thanks. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. Just a few things before we go. First off, if you or someone you know is an entrepreneur in the East Valley, we'd love to have you on the show. Please get in touch with us by emailing us at localhustlerspodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at localhustlerspodcast. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for the latest news and updates. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please take a few seconds to rate and review and hit that subscribe button. It lets us know how we're doing. It helps us grow so we can reach more locals, entrepreneurs, and help small businesses grow. Thanks, guys.